Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Streaming live on the Foundation Podcast YouTube channel, here's Nick and Matt. Wow, that intro went a little bit quicker than I was, I don't know, I wasn't feel, I wasn't feeling the length of it. And I'm like, oh, here we go. So it's this, like, oh, we're back in the screen now. <laughs> this is the Nick and Matt show. This is episode number 42. Man, we, every podcast says, man, we got a great one lined up. But Nick, tonight we landed him. We landed Paul. We got him. Macbeth. Yeah. He will be on uh, interviewing later. Uh, before that, we're going to have Haley King. Um, we're going to have Madison Walker as our first guest. Man, Nick, uh, the hat you're wearing, people can go grab that over um, at foundationdisc.com. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Also, they come in white, black, and it's like a navy blue. Yeah, you can get shirts on there. Um, you can get a lot of foundation I stuff as well. Shirt too. Yeah, a lot of nice foundation stuff as well. So, um, man, we've had a week in between this show, uh, between the other show that I record and this one, I feel like disc golf and the DDO, <laughs> oh yeah. baby, disc golf almost overload. Uh, we're going to talk all about it. So Nick, before we do that, you're our first interview tonight. Tell us about, <laughs> tell us about your, yeah. uh, your win and um, who you played against, notable, uh, really quick, how you performed, and then we'll, we'll move on from there. So I played a two-day C-tier down in Richmond, Virginia. It was called Tour de Richmond. And uh, Brian Schweberger was there, who's just an absolute legend. And then J.J. Burns, local Virginia guy, Andrew Lamont, Virginia guy, and then myself were, I think, the top four rated players. And um, after a sluggish first round, I came out and tied a course record the second round which also was my highest rated round ever at 1053. So that was pretty cool. And then the final round, Schwebe actually tied it back up. Um, let's see. I had two strokes on him going into the final round. And then at one point he had two strokes on me. And then I birdied the last four out of five holes to tie it back up. And then uh, what's it called? What did I do? We went into a playoff. I hit the first three that you could on hole number one. And then I made kind of a cool flick roller play that somehow slightly worked out. But then I banged like a 70 footer to push it into hole two, which earlier in that round, I had taken a five on it. And so I ended up deucing the hole. So I got the win. So, <laughs> which is pretty sweet. That and is it's like awesome. my fifth. It's like my, let's see, one, two, three. I think my third pro playoff. And I've won two out of three now. So Nick, a thousand fifty-three. You know yep. that's realistically like what Paul averages. But yeah, it's below Paul's average. <laughs> Tell which me, still kind of sucks. But that's okay. <laughs> that's no. I mean, he was just yep. below that actually for his average recently. So tell me, like, what does it feel like <laughs> to play like Paul Macbeth? So it's funny because I actually <laughs> thought of it like that when I was driving home. I was like, I played a round that Paul plays consistently. Like, obviously, he's 1055 rated, you know. And so it was kind of cool to say, like, oh, I potentially played Paul's average today. Like, obviously, Paul's greatest rounds and, like, his good rounds are much better than my good rounds. But, no, it was pretty cool. Everything just seemed to be clicking. I only missed, like, one inside the circle putt. Um, had I hit that. So it was an easy par four. I had a decent drive but I put my upshot like 25 feet too far to the right when honestly it was a pretty open upshot. I should have put it within like 15. Anyways, I missed the putt high made the comebacker, but I had to hit that 
it would have been a 15 down course record. I think it would have been like 1064 rated, which would have been cool. <laughs> which would but have been 10, cool. 10, yeah, 1053 rated was it. cool. I, I was more, honestly, I was more impressed with my final round because at one point, Schwebby had me by two. And when you're playing Schwebby in the woods, it's almost impossible to make up strokes. But I ended up hitting some really big putts. Um, for some odd reason, this tournament, my putting was just absolutely insane. And circle two putts i was hitting putts from like 60 feet no problem it was it was wild again, i don't know again what, what does it feel like happened. to throw like paul Macbeth? i mean that's i'll say it again and again but moving exactly. in so that's a, a pretty cool feeling <laughs> moving in, yeah best i've ever done is what thousand twenty three twenty seven that was pretty good but moving on dynamic discs open recap man weather was going to be a topic we knew it it's always the wind Nick, but we did see some rounds postponed, uh, some weather delays, which brought up a unique point, not for us to fully talk about here, but is during a weather delay, you're allowed to putt practice, if you will, or to even throw a disc to stay warmed up. That's kind of a a weird advantage during the rain because it's raining, but you have a weather delay. We saw Katrina Allen do that. Mm -hmm. Well, it's funny because I've, I've been in a weather delay where they saw lightning and so obviously they called everything, but it never rained on us. So we were kind of just hanging out there for 30 <laughs> minutes in the sun and everything like that. It was like heat lightning or whatever in Michigan a few years back. And a couple of us just went, started putting and it was kind of cool. But yeah, we ended up seeing delays happen in the first round. I think there was two different delays for the MPO players. And then I think there was a third delay for the FPO players, which ultimately led to the decision of they had to cancel or not cancel. They had to postpone the end of the first round due to darkness. And I think there was four groups of players who had to go out the next morning at eight 30 and finish up their round. Yeah. And there was some talk about um, like amateur and I don't follow the amateur scene out there much, but there were some people I'm friends yeah. with on social media uh, had like one of their rounds canceled altogether. Like they didn't get to play it. So, um, yeah. but we did see wind. We did see wind, especially the final mm-hmm. round. If you watch on coverage, they do a good job of getting rid of the wind sound. But if you look at the banners, Look at their the players' clothing. <laughs> you can yeah. tell they're staring into a fierce headwind every now and then. We saw putts being missed by Eagle and uh, Rick mm-hmm. and everybody. Um, so yeah, get, the putting get, the putting was really weird this week. I felt like between Calvin, Ben Calloway, Ricky, Eagle, putts you think they'd be making left and right, they were missing. It was it was kind of weird. Yeah, we saw Eagle three putt. I forget which hole it was in the front nine. Um, Nick, give us a quick recap. Um, and I mean short because we got to jump into MPO and FPO yeah. coverage here. Uh, what did you think about Jones Gold? Like, what's the takeaway there? Uh, definitely seemed like a course that was designed for wind in the sense of because it's so windy out there in Kansas, the huh. course plays harder when it's windy. But like we'll hear later, I mean, Paul was saying that holes that were 700 feet par fours were just getting absolutely slaughtered by these MPO players because of. You know, they're just going up and over these trees. The trees aren't matured enough yet to where you actually have to play the fairway itself. Players were just going up and over, making these awesome shots, but ultimately setting themselves up for eagle bids or just tapping birdies. So it seemed a little soft, but I mean, with wind, it adds a little, but we didn't really get to see that that much. Yeah. And speaking about Paul Macbeth, um, besides the fact we're having on for an interview tonight, he takes yeah. his first big win of the year. He won a memorial, but in general, this is big. This And this event felt big from an outside yeah. perspective, and it looked big even from those on the inside. 
Um, he ended up winning the tournament. Uh, spoiler, <laughs> six strokes. Yeah. Uh, by the end, six strokes. That doesn't really tell the full story about how he got there. But over Ricky and Eagle, he averaged over those four rounds, which cool. It was a four-round event, 1,062, which is above his player rating. So good for him. That's what it took to win. Um, Nick, you you do this fun stat where it's how much he got paid per throw. What, what yeah. happened here with Paul? So he threw the disc over the course of four rounds, 226 times, which ultimately made him $26.54 per throw. So I think that's kind of wild. I mean, every throw he's getting 26 bucks. That's pretty awesome. But cool thing I ended up. Uh, so I'm on Twitter as the Nick and Matt show over on Twitter. And someone tweeted at me this really cool stat. I want to give a shout out to stat Mando on Twitter. Um, he told me actually what the highest cash prize was for a player like per disc throw on average. So Matt, did you read this yet? I did not read it. I saw something about, okay. it says Nick will ask Matt a question and I, I scrolled yeah. by. So I'm curious, do you know, if you had to take a guess at a normal PDGA event, who averaged the most money per throw ever? Normal PDGA event. So let me ask so for not, clarification. Not the Pro Tour finale. Okay. That's what that means. Cause I was going to say is, yep. is an X tier yep. the US DGC. Um, so that we'll consider that's a normal event. Okay. Yeah. Normal event. It's either worlds one of the years recently or USDGC. But if I remember correctly, USDGC beat out worlds one of the year. Um, I'm just going to say it's a USDGC event. I don't remember who it's not recently. Yeah. Chris Dickerson, maybe, I don't know. Nope. Nope. It's actually Jeremy Colling back in 2016 because the USDGC uh. was cut short due to weather. So at that tournament he made, I think it was, Oh, I didn't write it down, but it was over $56. Now I'm looking yeah, at the show it over, notes. <laughs> it was over $56 per throw. I totally forgot to add that in. 10,000 yeah, divided by 180. <laughs> yeah. And then um, Ricky Wysocki has the second place, I think, for 2017 Worlds at like $55 a throw. And then I think it was Chris Dickerson at last year's USCGC. Oh, well, wow. I wasn't. I guess I got third place yeah. then. <laughs> I, think, right. I think it was. He yeah, he gave me a shout out on all those stats, but we, Jeremy Colling technically win, is winning. You shouted out this stat group. We actually have another stat group that's wanting to work with us. And I think we're going to do something here special in the future. Guys, we'll bring you some really cool stats. Um, moving on to Ben Calloway. This guy, man, I've listened to an interview. I'm going to shout out another podcast right now, not on this foundation podcast network called Chain Clankers. If you're listening to this by chance, we're grateful and humble that you choose to listen to us. If you're not listening to us, this is for everybody else. They did a great interview with uh, Ben Calloway. Uh, just get I wanted to get to know him better. And I found their podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, that guy seems pretty cool. Um, and what, what do I mean by pretty cool? Um, he's got your typical get into disc golf story. He's yep. been playing for, I, I want to say in the 12 year range, if I remember correctly, and he goes through all the disc golf struggles like everyone else, but he's been performing pretty high, Nick. Um, he yeah. throws pretty far. He's putted really well, uh, at least all the way up through round. What? Three up until round three. Yeah. yeah. Round three. He had some shaky putts. Um, didn't seem as confident with it, but if you watch back to round two, that's where his putter just seemed absolutely deadly. I mean, from 45 feet and in no jump putt, no step putt, no nothing. And he's just got such a silky smooth putt. He's putting with a new, uh, putter plastic from Discraft. He's putting with the roaches and it just seems to be working really well. But yeah, he definitely, he throws bombs and he was just consistent. Got a good forehand backhand, great putt. And didn't seem like at Jonesboro, we could have said maybe he fell off under pressure. But here at DDO, it took, you know, he took the first round, played great. I think he was one off the lead. 
And then second round, he was tied for a lead. Third round, I think he had the outright lead. Fell off from there, but uh, ended up still playing in the top 10. So, And there's a conversation now that should be started. Uh, it probably is not too early to say, like, all right, we need to start looking at Ben Calloway. I think mm-hmm. for that conversation to develop, I'd like to see him in a top five, top 10 finish another once or twice, and then I'll say, okay. I think exactly. we've got someone to really start focusing on here a little bit. So it's but, funny. I think went there. from the kind of, you know, the Casey white, we were talking about him for a few weeks and all these great finishes Casey was having. And then it kind of slowly, Casey's still been playing well, don't get me wrong, but then we've kind of slowly transitioned over into the Ben Callaway for a little bit. We were talking about Gavin Rathbun. So we've got some names popping up this year that we're not normally used to seeing, which is ultimately pretty cool. It just shows the parody that is 2021 disc golf at the moment. Talking parody. And uh, it's funny. I've, I've already said this twice. Stealing stats from my other show. There have been yeah. five. There have been five different MPO winners across seven elite events. Or I say elite. That's also including um, the Silver Series. And there have been five different FPO winners. It is insane this year. Out of seven events, yeah. five different winners. That's unreal. It's, I'm not remembering another year like this start. There might be other seasons yeah. that have this many winners, but not this start. Uh, what? Just real quick, Nick. Other notable notable places. Yeah, I was gonna. I'll roll down the notables really quick. We had Gavin Rathbun shooting uh, pretty well, getting himself eighth place. Andrew Presnell ninth place. Adam Hammes once again another top ten finish for him at tied for ninth. Zacharyth Johnson. You heard his name a lot. He was putting great, throwing bombs. Um, also secured himself a USDGC USDGC spot, which was awesome. And then Ty Love. Tied for 14th. He's a young gun out on the tour this year. He's touring to a couple big events, um, but he's 16 years old out of East Oregon. Dynamic disc sponsored player and apparently is just an absolute bomber and plays silky smooth in the woods. Um, really quick, we'll go to the notable players who did hold not on. make the cut. Yeah, hold on. Just just to talk about other note. You're going here. Notable players who didn't yep. make the cut. Yep. The purpose of a cut is really interesting because it doesn't really affect the fans very much. It also doesn't really affect the player. It's the the deal is this. Normally they'd have one more round. This is what a cut does to try to get into the cash. But anybody who's outside of the cash, that's a cut line anyways in the mindset of like whatever. The downside yeah. for the player is my friends are out there playing and I'm not. And they have to make a social media post saying I didn't make the cut. So it's definitely, yeah. there's downsides. And these players, what were the list of these players who didn't make the cut that were notable? Notables, Austin Hannum, Emerson Keith, Brian Earhart, who we've talked about, Reed Frescara, Connor O'Reilly. We've talked about him a couple times. And then two notables who they didn't even have a chance to make the cut because they ended up not playing the tournament. But Ezra Aderhold, we've had him on the show before. He ended up getting food poisoning this week. And then Kyle Klein, who won the tournament, was it the Mid-America Open? Yes. He won the Silver Series Mid-America Open. Apparently, while he was either throwing or stretching, felt a tweak in his back. So he ended up actually just taking this week off, making sure he's all healed up for this big swing that's happening out in the West Coast coming up. Assuming so. assuming that's all legitimate, which there's no reason to assume not. I'm just saying that as a disclaimer. Mm-hmm. That's a very mm-hmm. mature decision um, to say, yeah. ah, I felt oh, a little absolutely. funny. I'm going to take a break on that. Like. That wouldn't have been me at 18 years old. Me at 18 years old says I'm not going to miss out on one competition. 
Exactly. Go out to that <laughs> next event and play your best. So, so all right, right, moving into FPO, Haley King, and I'm not saying spoilers from here on out. Haley King takes down the win by six strokes. This is another strict six-stroke lead for the champion over Katrina Allen, uh, 10 strokes over second and third, or tied second and third, Heather Young, Macy Walker. Haley averaged 990 rated disc golf over the four rounds. That's it's more significant when you start putting in more rounds to average that high. She walked mm-hmm. away with $3,000. That's a good payout. Um, mm-hmm. So, Nick, your your little stat that you came up with, with here says she made $11.50 per throw. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't look equitable, but that's a whole other discussion. $3,000 is a decent payout. Um, yeah, absolutely. For you know a week of playing disc golf and everything like that, on top of she's also <clears throat> more than likely getting bonuses from her sponsors and everything like that. But she's now two for two in the national tours this mm. year. And I keep forgetting. I feel like I, every single time I talk about DDO now, it was a pro tour last year. It was a national tour this year. But Haley is now two for two in the national tours, edging out Katrina Allen. Uh, Katrina Allen plays second place. Um, she's playing incredibly well at the moment. She's dominating. You know, she's playing great. Okay, so I'm not quite sure what happened there, guys. I'm going to give it a second for Nick's computer to reconnect, hopefully. Um, And as okay, as it reconnects for Nick here, and it looks like it might have reconnected, we're going to go and start talking about Katrina Allen. Uh, So, Nick, you're back. I can hear you. Uh, Am I back? You are back. Katrina Allen. Okay. The big takeaway here. That's what I was just talking about. Well, (laughs) we couldn't hear you. No, no. Uh, 978 rated golf uh, shot (laughs) over two. Uh, 1,000 rated rounds, but the, and this should not be the takeaway, but it's how she ended out the tournament with a significant amount of bogeys. I think it was five bogeys in the back nine um, yeah. missed putts, etc. So that is not how she wants to end it out. We're going to give her the benefit of the doubt that what she talked about is being a change in her mental game and the way she's viewing things is going to, um, but it's quite possible. It's quite possible. Haley's real big press there started and shouldn't throw somebody off, but it might've gotten to her head a little bit. Uh, Nick, give us some notable players in the FPO and how they finished. Heather Young tied for third, Macy Walker making another great uh, disc golf major or excuse me, national tour event presence. Macy Walker tied for third Kona Panis finishing in fifth place. And then this is someone who I talked about a couple weeks ago on the podcast, but cat merch. She was second to last cash, but she's now cashed at two big events in a row. The reason I bring it up is because she had a sluggish start to the year, but it seems to be picking it up now that the year is really in the full swing and everything. So big West Coast swing coming up. That should give her some confidence to go out there and compete. So just a shout out to her really quick. And then uh, Matt, just finishing up with the notable players who unfortunately did not make the cut. We have Vanessa Van Dyken, Paige Shu. I'm pretty sure it was her first major tournament back. Alexis Manjohondo and Rebecca Cox were four players that were kind of notable who ended up not making the cut. Yeah. And um, that's, I mean, Paige shoe is an interesting storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, is this, I don't want to say this was her first event. We saw her at the disc golf pro tour championship, but this year, is this her first event? Uh, I think it was her first big event. Yeah. And all those cardboard cutouts we saw everywhere. <laughs> you could get you <laughs> yeah, could take exactly. selfies with Paige shoe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was kind of yeah. cool. But yeah, the other players, um, it's interesting. Rebecca Cox on that list of notable players who missed the cut with her form that she changed up looks so good. Um, 
I forget what she was talking about recently. It's just not coming together for her as much as she wanted it to. But she came out yeah. so strong at Texas State. So we'll see more from her, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's kind of tough switching up your form midseason, obviously, but she'll she'll bring it back. I mean, we did see, like you just said, at Texas State, she was playing incredible. So once she builds that consistency back up, she'll be all right. All right, everybody. We've got in our virtual green room our first guest of the evening. Her name is Madison Walker. Let's go ahead and bring her in. Madison, how are you doing? And where are we calling you from or where are you calling us from tonight? Uh, I am sidelined in Salt Lake City. Uh, I was supposed to be in Lake Tahoe for my birthday the day after tomorrow, but the RV that I travel in with my best friend, Abby, um, had some issues. So it is in the shop until Friday. I don't know. That's such a bummer. What's okay. that? Salt Lake City's not so bad. No, yeah, that's pretty sweet. What's that called when you use um, like the like so- sidelined in Salt Lake City? Like that's like a S S S S S deal. That's pretty cool. I don't know. <laughs> There's a word for that. It's yeah. a. Uh... It, it's a, like a li- alliteration. No, what is it? It's uh, someone's going to tell me in the chat. It maybe yeah, someone's going to tell me in the chat. So um, you you are on the tour grind this year, or or am I incorrect? Mm-hmm. You tell us what what this year looks like for you. We know last year with COVID being like full force, you'd taken a break. But what's this year look like for you? Um, so it was and I realized last year after taking that break how nice it was not to play and not to grind a million weeks out of the year. I'm used to playing anywhere from 25 to 35 events during the year for the last six years. And so I just taking that time off, like being forced to take that time off, I realized how much I enjoyed it. So this year, um, I still like have that drive to compete and I still like get FOMO when I'm not on the tour. So I still wanted to play, but I just kind of made my goals, not smaller necessarily, but just, I realized I don't have to do everything. I can do other stuff that I want to do while also playing disc golf. I don't have to grind you know, that many weeks. So I, um, I decided to just play all the pro tour events and all the majors and just hopefully have a polished finish at the pro and the pro tour and make it to the pro tour finale. And then national tours, I'll play it for fun. For fun. You'll play it for fun. And whatever you're can hearing, you, can, let me, let me close the window. Whatever really you're hearing, we don't hear, but that's okay. So what just happened <laughs> is Madison is going to shut the window where she's staying. She's hearing uh, yeah. people out in the, out and about. So, I'm sorry. It's Calvin. It's Calvin and Abby being loud. <laughs> we never knew Calvin <laughs> would be go. so loud. That's excellent. Yeah. Um, so you've cashed, <laughs> you've cashed at every pro tour you've played so far. How does that feel? Um, good. Also, I was shocked. Absolutely shocked. I knew the biggest barrier I would have to um, deal with this year is consistency. Cause I took last year off. And when you don't have the reps, like you have no idea what's going to happen when the disc comes out of your hand. So, and then I have to do this weird taping thing. I'm sure I've talked about it a million times, but this weird taping thing to protect my finger. So on top of the inconsistency from not having reps from taking the year off with the finger, I just had no real expectations. I just knew to trust that, you know, I'm semi-coordinated. I've been playing for a long time and I'm enjoying myself out there. And just hopefully that would be enough. So now that you are out on the road, though, is this kind of like a goal to cash out every single event? Obviously, you said you want to make the Pro Tour finale, but do you have any different goals besides that? Like, you know, top five finishes, a couple wins here and there? I mean, it would be great. It would be great. I, I, I'm always kind of pushing to do well at events, but I, I honestly don't have as much of a drive to compete as I think a lot of people do. Um, I like it. I, I like bettering myself, but I don't have that like strong desire to win. I'd like competing. I like making myself better. I like seeing if I can get better every week by putting in time, but 
I just have a lot of other stuff I'm interested in. So this year it's not as high on the list. I'm, I'm focused on other things, other jobs that I've gotten and mm-hmm. um, just trying to enjoy my time on the course while, you know, my body still lets me do it. Well, speaking of new jobs that you're getting into, you ended up actually taking a position with the Disc Golf Pro Tour. Can you start from the beginning of it? How did it come about? And then what is it? Um, so I was absolutely shocked. I, um, I ended my partnership with Innova last year and I think it was, you know, it was a little bit overdue. It was, um, it was hard though to leave a partnership that lasted that many years, you know, six years with the same company. Like I, I had a lot invested in it, but, Mm -hmm. um, and I was kind of bumming and trying to figure out my next move, you know, just what was the right fit. Nothing was really like screaming at me. And Jeff Spring called me and was like, we're trying to make the pro tour bigger and better than ever. We, I have this program that I've kind of been sitting on that I wish I had time to do myself, but I don't. And I felt like I would talk to you about it and see if you were interested in it. And I had just ended my partnership with Innova. So I didn't have the pressure to be touring full time like you, you're supposed to be doing on the star team. And um, so he told me about that he was hoping to make the pro tour more of um, an environmentally friendly or an eco-conscious organization. And he wanted to really attack it and not just sit on the back burner. And he asked if, if I was interested. I was like blown away. I had no idea this was coming and jumped on it. No, like no questions. Nice. So what is something that you do to make the tournaments and everything like that to make the pro tour more eco-conscious? Well, um, right. We, I started out with a lot of ideas like about like events, partnering with local communities and that kind of thing and making it a little bit more abstract. But Jeff kind of dialed me in as the program went on, especially with COVID. It's really hard to do stuff like that this year. Um, Mm -hmm. and because the program got a little bit of a late start, like starting in January is, is late when we're talking Mm -hmm. about tour tournament directors already have everything, you know, in line, hopefully at that point. So, um, so we dialed it back and it's kind of a slow rollout where I'm more like building the program and creating the program this year, working with tournament directors to have everything about the events have less impact. Um, and then hopefully next year it'll be a little bit more mandatory. There'll be like some, you know, cool stuff you get if you do the things that we would like you to do. And, you know, just using, using less materials, focusing on the different environments that are around the the disc golf courses, you know, mm-hmm. making sure water stations are there instead of water bottles, the things you would normally think of. Yeah. Well, the things that Madison would normally think of and everybody else. <laughs> That's true. Every, yeah, yeah. Maybe that. Not everybody who's yeah. doing this yeah. all the time. That's okay. Yeah. We are each gifted in different ways and we need a little bit of everybody. I appreciate your stance on that. Um, Maybe biodegradable discs are in the future for when we lose them in ponds and in the woods. Like they just break down yeah. over time. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if y'all heard of Trash Panda. They're doing some cool stuff with uh, with biodegradable minis right now, and they're moving on up, I think, to the next thing. I think it's possible. That's very cool. Could be. Yeah, um, no doubt. So so can I get into a little bit? You just kind of alluded to the fact that your your partnership with Innova ending, it took a little bit of time to get used to because you, you were with them for so long. First part mm-hmm. of the question is, how long were you with Innova as a touring uh, player? I was with them for six years and I kind of had a weird start to disc golf. I literally just jumped in full force. I met Paige at like a C tier and she invited me on the road and I went straight to the world championships, like from C tier to worlds, no A tiers, no, (laughs) no national tours, no nothing. (laughs) So, um, so once I played worlds, I got, I got, I think 11th It's probably my best worlds finish was my first one, but, um, with like eight discs and only a sidearm, but, um, (laughs) the, uh, 
Yeah, I know. It, yeah. But Innova jumped on me at that point. So literally, as soon as I got into disc golf, all I know is Innova. Like from day one for six years, this year would have been seven. So. Yeah. And so they're like, wow, this girl's crazy. Like she's just jumping in a world. She's obviously going to go places. So that's cool that yeah. they believed in you and they did for yep. so long. Uh, you recently, uh, I saw an announcement for Upper Park Designs. They've relaunched their bags. We had mm -hmm. the original um, founder and owner of Upper Parks, uh, John Richardson, come on earlier yep. at the end of this last year. And we talked to him about this relaunch. I'm glad to see they picked you up. And I think if my stocking is accurate, like you potentially agreed to them in a sole sponsorship kind of way this year. Is that something? Well, no. So upper, I've been with upper park the whole time too. They are, they're all, I've never had a bag sponsor besides upper park. And they took mm -hmm. a little bit of a breather for a couple of years where they weren't actively sponsoring people, but I was still repping and I was still selling bags just because I really do think they are the best bag on the market. And, um, they're, I mean, they're not doing any sort of special sponsorship with me different from anyone else. I just, um, I got some offers from other companies, but they did not allow me to have a bag sponsorship. So I had already signed a contract with Upper Park, ah. so I, and I don't like to break contracts. So I decided, um, not to, not to pursue a disc sponsorship this year, but then another little thing fell into my lap and they're actually, um, they're actually going to be like my disc sponsor. And I, I'm like allowed to talk about it now. Okay, so wait, you know? let me cue up the the special here. Hold on, do, do, yeah, we got do, do, exclusive do, music. Do, no, oh, <laughs> little transition. Hold on, we got to go back. There's the Nick and Matt show transition. This is exclusive. All right, what do you got? <laughs> um, so it's a there's a company called Aria Discs. They make Ultimate Discs. Uh, predominantly, they're like the number two producer of Ultimate Discs besides Discraft. Um, and they are out wow. of Richmond, Virginia. They decided they also it's like a umbrella brand with VII, the um, apparel company that I'm sure you guys have heard about. Mm -hmm. Jonas does their jerseys and the pro tour. But um, so and I've been I've been sponsored by VII for three years now. Um, so they decided their umbrella brand owns Aria as well. And they decided that they wanted to start making disc golf discs. And but they did not really know how to get into it because it's a bunch of ultimate players. But as yeah. we all know the pandemic this year, a lot of ultimate players started crossing over and playing disc golf and trying to figure out the sport. And so they, since I've worked with them forever, they kind of, I was on the phone with them about how I was, my partnership with Innova was ending and they kind of jumped at it and they were like, Hey, can we sponsor you? We don't have discs. We don't know what's going to happen, but we would love to throw money at you and come on the team and, <laughs> and help us get started. And it, I mean, it's kind of risky. It feels crazy. Yeah. It's definitely not like any disc golf sponsorship you yeah. hear of, but, yeah, yeah. um, they're really good people. They have really awesome intentions and they, I mean, they just care about the same stuff that I do. And I'm, and it's nice because they also trust me and they really like, they, they're really big into like getting women into positions of power and letting them make decisions. And we don't see a lot of that in disc golf. So it's cool. They like brought me on and they just started firing questions at me. We had like an idea session out the gate that, and I didn't realize it was a test, but it was a test <laughs> and I passed and now I'm on the team nice. and we have big stuff coming. We got some discs, uh, starting to be ready to go and they're going to start rolling everything out here in the next week. That's wow. awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it. That's a cool leap of faith. I mean, going from a company who obviously you just said was more on the ultimate side of it to now creating the actual disc golf discs. So. Yeah. Is it going to be a sponsorship to where obviously they haven't created any legitimate discs yet as they slowly piece them out? Like what other discs are you throwing right now? Do you still have Innova? Have you tried any other brands now that you can? Yeah. I mean, I've tried everything since the, since I moved away from Innova. 
um, I, I really wanted to just switch my bag up entirely. I wanted to get rid of all of that and move on. <laughs> but, um, I, it, I, it's hard to do that when you're buying all your own discs, A and B, I throw a lot of lightweight stuff and it is hard right now during this pandemic with all the, you know, shortage in discs to find lightweight discs for me to buy and also have like a few extra of. Yeah. Um, so that I can practice. So it's at, at this point, I'm just using a lot of my Innova stuff, but I started putting with wardens. I'm obsessed with them. And then, um, Aria, the company that I'm going to yeah, be sponsored by or am sponsored by, they, um, they're doing, they have a partnership with prodigy to get off their feet. And I'm really excited because I haven't got to throw in prodigy stuff in a long time. And I really, um, enjoy all the prodigy discs I've ever thrown. So it's a partnership at first and, um, we'll see kind of what it turns into. Or it goes into after that. All right. Mm -hmm. Just to be clear for our, our uh, audio listeners driving around in their car going, wow, this sounds interesting. That's spelled A-R-I-A. Is that what your shirt says? A-R-I-A. Yes. Yeah. A-R-I-A. Look them up. And um, and it's cool. They're, you, what you'll see from them is a lot of partnership with intention, not necessarily just um, they just have a lot of good good ideas that they would like to implement they're really into community driven stuff they're really into women's initiatives um they're really into just growing the sport but not necessarily with they're they're not it's different because they're not they're catering towards beginners i guess would be the best mm -hmm. way to put it or towards new players like ultimate players transitioning and yeah. they don't know what the flight numbers mean and they don't mm -hmm. know what all these discs are it's like the model is to show them how to get started yeah, there's definitely no wrong in that. I mean, getting we've seen the expansion, I should say the explosion of disc golf this last year. So for an avenue of players to be able to go into and find these lightweight discs or find a company that is really catering more towards them instead of on the pro scene, I think that's an incredible thing in and of yeah, itself. That's why I was excited. I mean, they're taking, I mean, it's kind of a chance and it's diff, It's really different from any disc golf model y'all will see when all the information starts coming out. But, um, but I'm excited about it and I really like the ideas that they have. It's a, it's a fresh perspective from the normal disc golf world that the little bubble that I'm used to being in. Yeah. And it's, so sound, you, it sounds like a great sponsorship and fit for you. I'm really excited to yeah. see how this works out. Me too. Now, are you taking the, so now that you've accepted the position with the pro tour, are you taking the year to tour and then future years, are you going to consistently compete out on the road at these pro tour events and everything? Or are you slowly going to back off from that as you get more involved with the actual job itself with the pro tour? I think it's going to be something I have to assess mm -hmm. um, as I go, because this year, definitely I feel a little, it's been a slow start, but I feel like I'm starting to get a little bit overwhelmed as far as trying to, we're entering a five week stretch of tournaments, yeah. uh, two majors, in the next seven weeks and mm -hmm. then I, a million other events. And then this is like the hot point of like Aria releasing all their stuff. And then the pro tour too, you know, that job doesn't stop. So it's a lot. It'll, it'll be something I think I have to assess at the end of the year and, and just see how I'm feeling and how much I'm willing to take on. But I, I really like how, like how Valerie did it. Val Jenkins did it when she started to slow down, how she would just mm -hmm. randomly show up at an event and then just like kill it. <laughs> Yeah. Even though it wasn't like all the time, that's that's my dream. Right. That, that is a good dream. That's a good dream, Valerie Jenkins. Um, like Val. So <laughs> yeah. as we get close to wrapping out here, the last time I saw you was uh, maybe Las Vegas. You were doing commentary for Terry Miller. I was working with him at that time. Um, are we going to see you around anywhere up in New England this year as the tour comes through? Will I get to see you and say oh, hi? Oh, yeah, definitely. And... 
Um, it's cool this year, too. Uh, me and Erica Stinchcomb are doing a lot of the FPO commentary, post-produced commentary with uh, GK Pro. Um, so that's it's the two hog geese. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> honk, honk. We'll, we'll be, yeah. honk, honk. We'll be out there all year long. Um, and I, I might be even be picking up media roles here and there as they need, as the Pro Tour needs gaps filled. Um, I'll, you know, I can fill in if they would like, but, um, but I'm definitely going to be in the Northeast and I am super excited to get back up there. I miss it. Good. Yeah. Awesome. And I just want to throw out there for everyone who's kind of like, what is going on? Two hot geese, honk, honk, like this inside thing that did start <laughs> in Las Vegas. Um, during commentary, we mm -hmm. just randomly, Terry and I were like looking at geese as we're out there filming the FPO <laughs> around. We saw them sitting on an actual putting green at the golf course. And we just filmed them for B-roll. We both thought it would be funny to put in there, like when the credits or whatever in the beginning are going. And then you guys just ran away with it. It's it's perfect. Yeah, they put our names right yeah. at the bottom with two geese that were near each other. And it was like, we, we you can't ignore that. It was great. <laughs> and ever since then, it's been like a lot of goose puns, a lot of dad jokes that are goose themed. And people like have responded amazingly, like to all the goose fans out there. I don't know why you like it, but I'm so happy you do. <laughs> I am not taking any of that. Okay, that's funny, Nick. I'm not taking credit for that, but I was working on that project with Terry, and I think it's just excellent. So I'm glad we we're able to help with your branding you guys, there. Yeah, you guys set us up for success. You put the light right there, right in front of us. <laughs> oh, good times. I've got a lot of memories of that trip, uh, good and bad. But <laughs> Yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah, cr absolutely crazy. Still to this day. What happens uh, in Vegas stays in Vegas. That's what, that's what we'll say. All right. So did we miss anything that you would like to talk about or are we good? No, um, I think that's everything. I mean, I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm just excited to, I, I'm nervous and excited to play disc golf for five weeks straight. I haven't done that in a long time. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. You guys have the U.S. Women's Disc Golf Championships. Yep. So just USWDGC. Mm -hmm. And then we have Worlds in Utah coming yep. up just at the end of June. So, yeah, you guys have a jam-packed schedule. I know the West Coast Wing is going on. I think, what is it? Goat Hill, U.S. OTB. Women's, OTB. Goat Hill, Goat Hill, OTB, U.S. Women's, Masters Cup. Then in Portland Open. And then uh, it was supposed to be Beaver State Fling, but now it's that new little B-tier. Resistance. Yep. 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 Um, the and then a week off and then Worlds. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Hopefully that RV is going to be full on fixed on Friday for you. We wish yeah. you the best of luck. Is there anyone you want to shout out before we get off? Area. Yeah, big shout out to <laughs> to all the people at VII and Aria for really taking a chance on me. Um, it's I'm really excited. And then big thanks to Disc Golf Strong. I feel like he, I can never shout him out enough. And he's the best yeah. on the cool. planet. So. Seth Muncie from Disc Golf Strong. Well, Madison, we appreciate you getting on. I know it's been a couple of weeks of us trying to plan it out to have you on for the interview, but we'll have to have you on again sometime soon. And thank you for having me. I'm honored to be yeah. here with Paul McBeth and Haley King. <laughs> yeah. We, this is, is cool. schedule. We love it. This is in total <laughs> yeah. love to Haley King, who's up next. But your energy and your smiles and your laughing, like we're going, and Haley's good personality too, but just different. Yeah. So it's going to be fun for us. Here we go. Well, I'm exactly. like her biggest fan. So please give me all of her love. I'll be watching. Okay. We'll, we'll tell her. All right. We'll talk okay, to you later. You Safe travels. We'll see you around. Appreciate it. All right. Everybody, that was Madison Walker, uh, apparently, of Aria. And that's yeah. uh, interesting. Nick, what stands out to you about that? 
Uh, it's exciting. I, you know, it's exciting to see new sponsors get into the sport. I was just thinking today, what is, I know they're a disc sponsorship, so it's not, you know, a major one, but like, what's the next major sponsorship that's going to get into our sport? Like if we think who are the outside sponsors, who do we think of Bushnell is probably one of the biggest ones at the moment who kind of got into the sport that wasn't a disc manufacturer or anything like that. Um, so it's pretty cool to see. Um, definitely kudos to Madison for, you know, really thinking about her future and everything. And obviously she didn't see Innova as being a part of that. That's obviously, like she said, it's hard when you're on the star team to go ahead and quit that and start kind of like fending for yourself in a way, but she sees great opportunities. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And I kind of speculated, I'm glad she corrected it. I said about like a mutual sponsorship with uh, upper park designs and the way she worded that and communicated clearly was, well, I couldn't yeah. take on another sponsorship because they require me to use their bag. So she's dedicated, committed, uh, obviously a very happy personality and we totally enjoyed having her on. Um, and apparently big fan of, uh, Haley King. So yeah, um, we're having on next. Yeah. I'm actually going to work on getting Haley King in the call now. Um, but I thought that was funny when I brought up the biodegradable, if that's, if that's how it is, biodegradable discs. And she's like, actually, Trash Panda. And I've only followed Trash Panda, maybe their first video on YouTube ever. But anyways. I don't really know too much about them. Um, Well, you can. (laughs) Not right now. I'll have to look look it up later. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Let me see here. I'm working on getting Haley into our green room. Um, This is going to be another great interview. Uh, Recent champion, obviously, of the DDO. It's the... Just put her at any national tour. She's got it. She's <laughs> Apparently. It. All right. Let's go ahead and welcome our second guest of the night and um, recently crowned champion, the Dynamic Disc Open 2021. Haley, how are you doing? And where are you like at in the world right now? Um, I'm doing great. And I actually am back at home. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Where is home for you for people who don't know? Uh, West Bend, Wisconsin. West Bend, Wisconsin. How's the weather this time of year? Um, it's like mid fifties right now. It's that's it. This week, yeah. Dang, that's <laughs> I thought it would be like 75, 80. Nick, it was like 90 degrees here in Virginia today. Nick moved from New England down to what I'll call the South compared to New England, and he's all like forgets yeah, about the temperature. Fun. So, Haley, you yeah. had a uh, you had one big win this year, NT, and then you stepped up at this NT to have another significant win. Um, is there something special about the NTs that we don't know that you're just like, you come harder at those? What's what's going on? I don't know. <laughs> I just happen to win those too. I don't know. You just happen to win those. Um, there's, there's something else to it. Um, d- did you feel like... <sighs> You saw how well Katrina was playing. Did that drive you any harder going into this event? Or did you have a game plan that didn't change at all? Um, I think I was my only motivator. I just wanted to beat myself and not lose to myself. So, I mean, seeing Kat play good obviously made me want to play better and better because seeing other women do that once, it opens the possibilities. So, What do you think? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I think I was just mainly sticking to my game plan and keeping my head straight. Nice. What do you consider, you know, beating yourself or losing to yourself? Like, what do you mean by that? Uh, I don't want to 
Okay, for just a second, for just a second, I'm assuming that Haley received a phone call. We're going to get her right, yeah. right back in. Okay, so you can answer that question from Nick if you heard it. I, I missed it. What was it? It was, what do you consider beating yourself versus losing to yourself? Like you were just mentioning that you want to go out there and you want to beat yourself. What do you mean by that? Uh, I just don't want to lose to my own mental game. I feel like recently the reason why I haven't been playing to my best potential is because I have been getting upset and I haven't been able to move on from it. So if I'm able to just go to the course and be confident and just have confident and confidence in every shot, then I'm going to play to my best possible. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, so in follow-up to that question, which this is great, you're just setting us right up. Ellie. This is perfect. Um, you talk about getting upset. That doesn't translate to very many people at least in the media world of what we perceive. I think I even read a recent interview where it says like you're that's like your go-to like best trait is like, you don't let the emotions get to you. What is it that you're experiencing that we don't see? Um, I mean, realistically, every time I miss a putt, I'm going to get upset. If it's within like 45, 50 feet and I miss it, I'm going to be upset. Most people don't see those as gimme putts, but I spend a lot of time putting, so me missing like simple putts get, gets me riled up, right? So just being able to miss those putts and be able to just keep moving on and get birdies and not bogey is where I'm getting better at right now. Yeah, but I guess I, you, what I'm saying is like you don't have any like outbursts. You're not slamming your discs into the ground or into a bag like is this mentally you're like just talking to yourself? Is that how you, is that how you handle getting angry or upset at missing a putt? Uh, um, after the round or if it's a really bad shot, you might see me punch a tree, but that's it. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Lefty, right, I hope. Trees be trees. Beware for Haley King. Uh, so what do you feel like clicked this week in your game? Obviously we saw a dominant performance. You played great. You averaged, what was it? 30 points above your rating. Just about what, what clicked this week? Um, this was probably the first week where I knew where the disc was going the second it left my hand. Uh, coming into GBO, I had a little bit of a break, so I practiced a lot and I felt very confident with tee shots. So I think that is definitely my biggest goal going into GBO and I definitely can check that off the list. With tee shots over at... DDO, are you throwing more distance drivers, like say Zeus's, or are you throwing more fairways like stalkers? What are you relying on most out there that you have the confidence in? Um, it actually like changed if there was wind or not, but mm -hmm. if there was no wind, I was throwing a lot of Zeus's and it was a lot of bomb shots, you know, golf shots. And then yep. if there was wind, I was throwing a lot of forces and yeah, still throwing the same exact shots just with a disc that can handle the wind. Nice. So this is obviously another competitive match against Katrina Allen. Is she a competitor that you look at before every single tournament and say she's probably going to shoot well? That's probably someone you're going to compete against. I know earlier you said you're really just going out there to compete against yourself, but is that how you look at fields right now? Like who has been playing well lately? You think they'll probably do well at this next event? Yeah, I definitely look at that. Um, before the tournament, I'm pretty sure all of us talk about who we think is going to win and who we think is going to top place three and 
Cat's definitely up there every time. And if Paige isn't there, Cat is usually the number one contender in my yep. mind. Yeah. All right. Uh, last, you're you're not wrong with Cat, and obviously if Paige is there, I think. Are do, are you starting to experience the fact though that people are placing you up on that platform now, like in their minds? Are you aware of that? Yeah, and. To be honest, like I'm starting to feel that way myself. I feel like I've GBO made me feel like I've officially leveled up in a way. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I'm starting to definitely be up there with Kat. Obviously, they have a long history, which you can't have that advantage of having because of how long you've been playing. But competition wise yeah for sure um can i ask last interview we had you on which by the way this is a great thing we we try to have on relevant players and <laughs> you're relevant um you yeah. mentioned your upshots you're struggling with because of your finger or something or the way it was feeling are you still struggling with that same uh feeling there or are you able to uh do that better now um instead of throwing upshots at the fan grip i've just changed I've changed my grip to like a modified fan grip and then I'm just doing like more spinny approaches now. So I have actually found a way around that. Mm -hmm. You feel confident with that now? Yeah. Nice. I was kind of going through the PDGA as I was making show notes and everything like this right now. Um, you have a couple of weeks off before you go out on a big stretch out on the West coast. What are you doing to kind of like stay warm? Are you playing practice rounds at home? I know you said you like practicing putting a lot. What what goes into Haley King's routine? Well, I'm actually going to go to my dad's house tomorrow and I'm going to be putting every day. And then we actually have a field next to our course. So I'm going to do a bunch of field work and then probably catch around every day. Mm -hmm. Do you like what is your field work? consist of like are you taking a day to focus on mid-rangers or like say backhand approaches or do you go out there and say these are the discs in my bag i want to really learn how they throw on all different angles um i'm actually going to be figuring that out this week for mm -hmm. what my best practice or field practice would be um i'm thinking i'm gonna have to bring a basket out there and just mm -hmm. get to know my discs 100 know what they do at every speed and every angle yeah so something I've noticed, Haley, and I'm more of a media minded guy. That's kind of where the show started originating from. I've worked on the pro tour doing some FPO. I've done a lot of little media things. But one of the things I noticed because of that is just even how people interview um, you over the last couple of years came on and you had really short answers, right? You'd be like, yep, no. And you've even still have some of those. But at this DDO press conference, or even in the post round after you won, I felt like I observed some sort of different version of Haley um, being interviewed. Are these interviews, are these media things, are these interviews I'm even doing with you now, are they getting more normal and easier for you? Yeah, I would say they're definitely getting easier for me. And talking as a whole, I feel like I'm getting better at it. So I think my confidence and just being in that position has risen a lot to make me feel way more comfortable. That's awesome. Uh, I think Nick, maybe you've heard this and Haley too, Paul Macbeth, mm -hmm. which we'll have him on in a little bit. Uh, he talks about originally and not being that much of a forward guy either. He's just like, yeah, but now it's part of his life. So he's used to it as well. Yeah. Um, so you're taking a little break right now. Is that true? Are you on a little, I mean, you're at home, but what's your, what's your next event that you're hitting up? 
Yeah, so my next event is U.S. Women. So I'm going to be chilling in Wisconsin for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is that, what did Madison just say, OTB? It was Goat Hill, then OTB, yes. then U.S. Women. So you're, you're missing both of those events? Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Just personal, you just want to take some time off before the next big event? Yeah. Do you Do you find yourself playing any local events at all? Or are you, like, any leagues or anything like that? Uh, I personally don't really like leagues. It mm-hmm. doesn't do anything to help me, personally. So mm-hmm. I don't like leagues, and I kind of stay away from the local tournaments. There aren't that many women at them. So, yeah. again, it's not the type of situation I need to be in to get better. Further elevate your game and everything like that. Yeah. True. If you had to pick, besides for backhand approaches right now, is there anything else that you just really want to work on? I want to keep working on my spin putt. I finally found something that clicked. I was working with Brian Earhart, and he said something, and it just clicked. And I've been all over the basket, so mm-hmm. I want to work on that a little bit more and nail some big ones. Yeah. Now, is it Brian's, is it his girlfriend, Lindsay, that's been hanging around with you during your rounds? Yeah. Okay. So kind of like, where does she come into play right now? I know you said like, I think in our interview before she's been a big help. I think I saw a picture of you guys wearing matching clothes and everything like that. Like, how is she fitting into this whole equation now? Um, well, first, like when I met her, she is a super positive person and she instantly offered to like make sure that I'm okay. You know, I have a place to stay and everything. Sorry. That's my cat. (laughs) I was going to say, I feel like I hear a collar (laughs) jingling. Yeah. Um, but so like ever since then, Lindsay's been super invested in disc golf and just like our friendship. And I personally like caddies and she knows how to be a caddy and how to like be able to make the difference between a caddy and a friend when you're on mm-hmm. the bag and like know when's the right time to like say certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, she just said she can caddy for me. Like she wants to caddy for me. And if I'm comfortable with that, then she'll be my caddy. And she's been a really good caddy. Nice. Does she now? Cause I, I love having a caddy personally. Actually, Matt has caddy for me. I've caddied for him. Um, does she, you know, kind of dissect a hole with you in the sense of like, oh, I think this is the shot to do, or is she more so just morally supporting you? Like, hey, you got this. Hey, you got this shot. Do your own thing. Um, she, if I'm, she makes me think and she makes me talk about what I'm going to do. And she basically makes me make a plan and she helps me go through that. So what she'll do is she'll tell me like, how far away the tree is and stuff like that, like visual markers. Mm-hmm. And then if I make a plan and it doesn't sound like a good idea because she knows my bag and she knows how I throw, she will say something. She's like, are you sure you want to throw that? You've been throwing this disc better today than that disc. So maybe you should okay. do this. So yep. Just small stuff like that. Like she makes me just think on the spot. She makes me focus. Yeah. Well, yeah, I kind of, I like that in the sense of they're yeah. kind of opening your mind to maybe an alley that you did not see originally. Yeah. And it, I think it makes you take your time a little bit more, which, you know, I know we've talked a lot, you know, let's, you know, bring up Nico taking potentially too much time. Sometimes I'm not riding on him or anything like that, but <laughs> um, in the sense of like some players, I, for local tournaments and stuff like that, I consider myself a pretty quick player. 
I have an idea of how I'm going to throw it. And I feel like if I think about it too much, then I'm going to overthink it in a sense. But when you have a caddy there, you're kind of like you work through it together. And I like that. So I've had caddies before who know absolutely nothing about disc golf. They've just been personal friends of mine. And then I've had caddies like Matt who actually know my bag and everything. So it's pretty cool. But speaking of caddies and kind of being able to have them now on the pro tour and the national tour, spectators are back. Does that kind of motivate you in the sense of how you play? Do you, let's say, get a rush from spectators being there? Yeah, I definitely love throwing shots in front of people. Um, it doesn't matter if it's a good shot or a bad shot. They're generally still clapping. Mm -hmm. um, so just like turning around after whatever you do and just looking up and seeing 100 plus faces, just, you know, clapping, looking, looking at you, cheering for you, you know, it feels really good. And it actually like it boosts my confidence doing that. So I love having the spectators back and it's great to have them back. Nice. All right. So I'm seeing the chats. And first of all, they're very supportive of you, Haley. They're surprised that you're just now realizing how good you are. <laughs> they're like, we've known it for longer than you. But they're also saying, show us the kitty. I don't know if the cat's right there. Our audio listeners won't be able to see. But if the cat's there, our viewers um, <laughs> would like to hear it because they hear this little jingle jangle in the background. All right. Yeah. For our audio listeners, she's picking up her computer. Oh, there it is. A black cat. What's this cat's name? Where? What way is it? Is it this way? Yeah, there you yep. go. Yeah. What's the cat's name? My name is Spencer. Spen is it? Spencer? Spencer, yeah. <laughs> nice. Is this a female yeah. or a male cat? Uh, female. All right. I find it's like, yo, why are you looking at me? <laughs> oh, man. When I was little, and this is now people are going to have another reason to not like me. I like would unofficially like not actually torture the cat i was a little kid but i'd like find like oh it's a little cat like it fits in a soda can and i i mean not a soda can a coffee can and i can bring it with me like that kind of stuff like and it's like no that's not nice to the cat <laughs> <laughs> that's cool you're about to get yeah, roasted in youtube that's man. okay i said <laughs> oh, soda can i meant coffee i love can. coffee can <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge cat person so we had a cat almost my whole life until I like went away to college and everything. And then one last thing, I know our audio listeners are like, what's happening? We're talking about cats. We're looking at cats. There's obviously <laughs> some, and I can see a reptile, I think, trying to get out of that terrarium back there. What's the name of that oh, one? Yeah. And what is it? I, uh, It's Lucy, and this is my sister's bearded dragon. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, um, those those can live for quite a while. There's going to get bigger. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've heard. <laughs> I don't know if she's prepared for it. <laughs> yeah. Is this your, you have, you have two siblings, right? I have two sisters and a brother. Oh, nice. Nice. Cool. All right. So go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, just kind of like last, before we wrap it up, I mean, excitement for U.S. women. So are you excited to play out there? I don't even know which courses are being played at. Um, I think we're playing three courses this year, and I believe I played two of them. And from what I remember, they're good courses. They're well, they're at least decent courses. Yeah. And it's always fun going to California, so I'm definitely excited to go there. I'll be going with Vanessa Van Dyken and Maria Oliva, so it'll be a lot of fun. Very cool. Do you have a favorite course while you're out on the road? Um, I mean. Not really. I think just being out there is my favorite. I don't think nice. about it too much, you know, just yep. being out there. Cool. Well, I guess, Matt, do you have anything else? No, I just want you to know, like, 
I have yet to meet you in, well, did I meet you in person? If I did, I apologize. I've, I feel like I've yet to like officially, like I've been out there filming at Las Vegas last year. Like I saw you, you were a card away, but I'm looking forward. <laughs> yes. I remember that moment. I was close to Haley King. Um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to that moment. I think I asked this and I want confirmation again. Are you going to make it up to Maple Hill? I know that's not your favorite. I think you said no last time. MVP, I do plan on going. Oh, okay, awesome. Uh, nice. Nick, we will do something special, and if we can get her to agree to it, maybe we can do like an in-studio thing. That's the plan. All right. Um, unless we've missed anything, this is your opportunity to give any shout-out you want. I know we do this to you every time. Is If there's anything we missed or any sponsors you'd like to shout-out before we let you go. Um, I just want to thank all the fans, you know, for having my back and supporting me. Uh I literally wouldn't be here without you. So thank you for making my dreams come true. Very cool. And and Nick, this was um I just want to say like our live audience is getting boosted ever since Haley came on. So that was this has been working out great. So the people love Haley. Well, if you love Haley, please go and support her by going to any Discraft retailer or Discraft.com and picking up a tour series heat. I'm sure there's probably stuff in the works with Resistance Discs as well, who is another sponsor of hers. Uh, but check it out. Go get some tour series seats. Um, any new Hailstorm hats or anything like that coming out soon? Um, I think we're working on it. So stay tuned to my Facebook page and Instagram. Cool. Go follow her on Facebook and Instagram. No, that's good. And yeah, we'll go from there. Have a, have a nice, relaxing, quote unquote, off season in the middle of the season. Relax. Enjoy the cats. Okay. Thank right. you guys. We'll talk to Take you later. Easy, Haley. Thanks Bye. for being on. Yep. See ya. All right, everybody. Haley King, recent DDO um, crowned uh, champion. Um, wow. Nick, am I wrong in saying that was the most, like I'm looking at a screenshot right now, a frozen Haley yeah. King. I'm literally going to put it up and it's kind of weird because she's not actually on, but look at that smile. Like seriously. Smile. She's happy. She's kicking ass right now in the disc golf world, and we'd love to see it. Man, that was, I'm happy. Like, mm -hmm. that was a great interview, and not because of anything I said. That was just excellent. I'm really glad hey, she you came know, on Hey, you know, they're my show notes again this week, so we can just say that <laughs> potentially my interview is what's make or break in the show right now. No, I'm just kidding. She was awesome. She's definitely, like you said, she's getting a lot better at the interviews. We love having her on. I love seeing Haley succeed. She's one of my favorite people out on the road. I cannot wait to compete with her and future events yada 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 but um she's awesome she's just a great person all right um nick that was again that was a great interview um before we get to the paul Macbeth interview and i know that's probably why a large portion of the people are here um i think it'd be interesting to talk about because this is related in large part to paul Macbeth, is security if you want to call them security at big events, like do we need bodyguards for players or um, just in general? I mean, our players are parking their RVs all over the, the country and yeah. the With audience faces just slapped yeah. on the RV. The audience is growing yeah. it leaps and bounds to where it's been so normal to go up and knock or I've never done that, but just my point is they've been so approachable, but at yeah. some point, if you bring another million people to the sport, there's going to be another thousand, 10,000, 20,000, hundred thousand crazies. <laughs> like at yeah. what point do our players need to start considering that? Uh, like, what do you think? Uh, I think it's kind of tough. I mean, the biggest thing is, 
Sorry, I just got a text message. I had to really read it really quick. Um, the biggest thing going on with events right now is, like I said, players' RVs have their faces all over them. Their vans have their faces all over them. And a lot of pros are staying at RV parks now. They're staying at Airbnbs. And we're seeing stories of just people going up and knocking on their doors, let's say 7, 38 in the morning. And, you know, not, not that the players should not be accessible, but there's kind of a time and a place to do that. I think, you know, out in the course afterwards, after a round, I think is probably what would be the best time to do it. But I think this is where tournaments, disc manufacturers and everyone like that need to kind of set up meet and greet times, clinics, you know, meet the pro kind of things. And that will be the time that people are able to meet them because, you know, I've been to big events and I've seen pros get asked middle of the tournament, you know, hey, can I get your autograph? And it's like, what? Why would someone even ask that while they're playing? But well, there's that disc golf, I, you know, but this is going to go way back. And now it, people are going to think I'm being extreme. And that's fair. It is extreme. <laughs> go back to the Olympics. Nancy Kerrigan, Tanya Harding, a club to the leg. I mean, that was competitor versus competitor for Olympics. Mm-hmm. But like there are there are crazy people out there in this world. And as the sport grows, it's an opportunity to make the news. And someone like Paul Macbeth has been in the news a lot lately. People are knowing who he is outside of disc golf. Mm-hmm. If, if somebody came and tried to sabotage something of his or it's, it's happened before when his bag got stolen. Um, but that was a long time ago. Like, I don't know. I think it's interesting if he's parking somewhere and people are knocking and I, I don't want to use the word harassing, but that's kind of what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a fine line between, you know, personal space and wanting to meet your, you know, some people would say wanting to meet your hero, but I think that's kind of the tough part in disc golf right now is that it's a smaller sport. Players are more accessible than any other sport. I mean, you get people walking up to their practice greens and the practice fields or, you know, practice rounds and everything like that. So I think, how, I, don't know how does, I don't know the how do other sports to solve it, but yeah. How do other sports handle this? I mean, is Steph Curry going to practice at a local basketball court before his NBA match? No, no. And so do we need to create places again with security, if you will, where these players can go warm up before a tournament. And there's people who are like, no, the sport yeah. shouldn't get to this point. Like this was the best part of the it's, sport. It's, it's going to have going to, to happen to that point. Yeah. It has yeah. to happen at some point. It's inevitably, inevitably going to get to that point. And I think one of the biggest things, like I'll say, you know, let's take Maple Hill, for example, really quick. It's a great course. And they leave the practice. They leave the baskets in for all the different layouts. Usually the week of the event, they finally take them out. Let's say a day or two prior, but what tournaments like that need to do pro tours, national tours, majors, everything like that is, you know, let's say the tournament starts on a Thursday from Sunday to Thursday, you shut down the course to casuals. I mean, that's, those are days that tournaments, uh, excuse me, players are coming in to practice the tournament. This is their job. You are hosting a tournament for the professional players playing the event. The course should not in those couple of days should not be allowed to be played by the casual players in the area. Um, that's not to be rude or to, you know, be mean or anything like that. It's more so, so that the pros can go there and without a doubt, just and get their practice round in, get the reps in, learning the course and everything like that. So I think it's going to slowly evolve and maybe, well, I say slowly, maybe it has been slowly like building to where it might seem like a quick switch, but I want to have this topic out there that this is a conversation um, that will and should happen. 
Um, I think the Pro Tour is going to be a part of this at some point. They have requirements for venues. They have requirements for uh, how tournaments get brought on. Uh, safety of people at the park, safety for the players. This is going to become part of that. I think it would be interesting to see Paul McBeth take his $10 million deal and hire Jeff Corns as a bodyguard. <laughs> Just make it happen already. Just make it happen. So exactly. I, think, I think Adam already hired him. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have the, the answers here, but this is a conversation that will continue on. Nick, what do you think? Are we ready to bring Paul McBeth in from our virtual green room? I think we are. All right, everybody. Without further ado, let's go ahead and bring in Paul McBeth, everybody. Recent DDO uh, champion, 2021. Paul, congrats on your win. What a uh, significant win. Second NT of the year. Your first Elite Series win. Congratulations. So thank you. You've made it known this season. You've been struggling with putts, but you start out that final round. You hit that 60 footer for birdie. Also, in a previous round, the death putt towards the island green, hole 16. And in the post-round interview, you said it feels like a different game when you're putting well. So can I ask, are your putting struggles gone? And how did those putts feel during the rounds? Uh, putts felt great during the round. Um, I, I mean, I really hope so. I'm going to continue working on my putt, continue to, to just make the comfort level, you know, further away from the basket and just continue to just push it as far back as I can. Uh, but at... at uh, the DDO, I just, I just felt like every putt I stepped up to, I, I had a chance of making it and I felt like I was going to make it. Uh, but yeah, that was a big struggle for me early in the year and just trying to figure out, find, find what was most comfortable, find what was consistent. Um, and I was going through a lot of things, tweaking a lot of things because with my injury and, and doing all the rehab, um, over the winter, it was kind of just my body's working now. Everything's working in like it's functioning the way it should. Now I need to find what's comfortable instead of what was working at the time uh, last year and the year before. So, um, yeah, it, it feels good and hopefully it's here to stay. So DDO this year was a PDGA national tour. Um, national tours this year have kind of switched over into they got live coverage now. They seem to be acting like bigger events like they should be. How does this compare to a PDGA national tour win versus a disc golf pro tour win. What are kind of like the similarities between the two events? Um, I think the, uh, well, now the national tours are, are, are the media sides run by the disc golf pro tour. So it, they, they're, they tend to have the, a similar feeling right now. And with the DDO formerly being the glass blown open, it's kind of one that you knew was always going to be a big event. So this one has, you know, it has that feeling of, of being like a pro tour or like almost like a major with how many people are there. Um, so it's a, uh, there is some difference. Like the Texas States wasn't like, I don't feel like the media side was as big. It wasn't as blown up um, as some of the pro tour events um, or the DDO or, or, or our majors. So um, that side has lacked in, in some national tours, but, but the dynamic disc open was, was definitely one of the top ones and, and felt like that. And you can tell with the competition as well, that everyone was there to play. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for that insight so far. So, can you settle this debate real quick? Some have said this is the latest in the season that you've won an elite series. And I'm assuming that conversation is around P, uh, the national tours and the disc golf pro tour elite. Is that accurate? Uh, well, I, I don't know off the top of my head because <laughs> usually there's some smaller events to start the year, such as like the wintertime open. I usually uh, I've won that one quite a bit uh, to start the year. This one, I, I won the <clears throat> excuse me, I won the all star event. 
Um, I won the Memorial, which typically is a, a either a Pro Tour or NT, uh, but it wasn't on that that list this year. Um, so I guess you could say so, but I do have I do have one PDJ win at least, right? Um, with the Memorial, but uh, yeah, as far as NT or Pro Tour, um, yeah, I guess it's so, the latest one of the year, right? So as part of that, we're recognizing, and I heard you say this in an interview previously, maybe it was the press conference. You said the competition is getting better. Um, so can I ask, are the days of a professional and you? winning the majority of events that you play are those over are those gone i don't think so i mean you saw what ricky did like the last six weeks he won three out of six or four out of six events that he played in um and i feel like i was right there at some of those and you know what i've said with my struggles is my putting and and this week at the dynamic just open like I felt like it was on and I didn't feel like anyone was going to catch me you know the entire round even though calvin did have the lead at some points like I didn't feel like there was a moment where I was going to lose that event. I felt like if I had this confidence, I could put the disc out of position, but still, you know, convert a birdie. Uh, so I just had to, to, you know, keep that mindset and keep that going. But I don't, I mean, I think, I think I could do it again. I think I could rattle off a four year streak and stuff like that. If, if, uh, if I keep everything going, if I keep everything in tune, keep everything aligned and just kind of, you know, keep the work ethic. I, I feel like it's definitely possible. Now, I would love that feeling of being able to go to an event, put yourself out of position and still know you're going to get up and down for a birdie. But, um, Jones gold was a new course added to the pro tour or excuse me, the national tour event this year, the DDO, the top performers were scoring very well. Um, the first two days you can kind of see how the course was designed to be played in the wind. It wasn't a super challenging course from a spectator view when there wasn't any wind. Can you kind of elaborate on, did you like the change of adding another course into it and how did the course compare to other pro level courses that we have on the scene? Yeah. With the gold course, I feel like it was kind of added because worlds will be there next year. And typically for worlds, you need at least two courses with the format that it's at now. So I think this was kind of the course to where they're like, all right, we think this will be the one for worlds. And, and I think that was kind of, it was kind of proven that that one won't be a good fit for worlds. Um, I just don't think, Excuse me. I don't think the trees are big enough there. I think a lot of the players were throwing over it. I don't think the the length of the course was was long enough. Um, I think there was too many par fours that were sub 800 feet or 700 feet. And with that style property that they have there, it's you know it, it's hard to hold these players or, or, or with you know with that kind of short distance. There's not a lot of trees to navigate or, or go around, so the distance was just kind of short. Um, but I think I mean out there in Emporia, they have 95 courses, it feels like. So I'm sure they have another piece of property that they can design a gold level course for worlds. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was a little bit on the easy side and you can tell the course was, was designed for the, um, the weather elements that they have there. But I mean, when it's kind of low, um, it's very scorable. So in your post round interview after your win, um, in the industry media industry, we call it SOT, sound on tape. You gave really good sound on tape there that has been circulating in memes and quotes and things that could be considered clickbait, depending on what you're about to say right now. You said you're not there for the friendships. Now, did I take that out of context? I'll let you elaborate on, on that more. What does that mean to you? Um, was that something you had been thinking about leading up to this tournament or was that spur of the moment? Um, that was definitely my mindset going into the final round. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, they, they, they pulled it for clickbait, of course, you know, but, but I'm glad I said something that's clickbait worthy. Um, so it was, it was more my, my, um, my mental state and where, where I needed to be mentally going into that final round, because, um, the big thing is we, where disc golf is, is, is we are all friends. You know, a lot of us are, are friends on and off the course and, and, We've been, I think right now we're in the YouTube era to where a lot of people are filming videos with each other and just kind of doing a lot of media and, and things together to where uh, we are, we're, we're close. And, and the COVID era, I guess I should say, is kind of like, it's just been all of us hanging out. There's no fans, there's nothing going on. So we're all just kind of friendly with each other and it just kind of gets casual. Um, and I think that was the biggest thing was it a lot of these final rounds were feeling casual to me to where I wasn't getting into the right mental state, the right focus that I needed if I wanted to go out there and win. Um, and I was starting to notice that, um, now, especially once we had fans, I wasn't able to click back into that zone. I feel like I'd get into with, with fans. So, um, yeah, before the start, I just told myself like, like you're just, you're out here to play, you're out here to win. That's why you're coming out to these tournaments. Um, you know, yeah, you're with Calvin, you're with Eagle, you're with Rick, um, and, and I've filmed videos with them, you know, for YouTube and content and other things like that. So I needed to just be like, this is the tournament. This is where I need to focus. This is where I need to put all my energy. And, you know, like it doesn't matter who's on my card. I need to just go out there and play and stay focused and be aggressive and, and, you know, take this tournament because it is, it is easy to just like root for, you know, your friends and stuff like that. But, uh, but I just needed to, you know, change that mindset. And, and it, I mean, what happens on the course when we're playing has nothing to do with, you know, my friendship with Calvin outside of the course with Eagle or Rick or anyone else in the field. But, um, you know, I just, I just need to tell myself that that's why I'm there. So did you use the word friendship then to mean more the casual sense as opposed to actually being friends with people? Um, you just use the word casual. Maybe you were too casual about your rounds. Um, is that correct? Would you change the way you said that to explain better? Or is, are you happy with the way you said that? No, I'm fine with how I said it. I think they just pulled out my, what my mentality was, you know, going into it. Like my mentality going into that final round is what I said before that quote. And when you pull that side out of it, it just looks like I'm attacking people. But I'm really just saying my mentality for that was I'm not here for the friends. Like I'm here to come out and compete and win this tournament. Like that's why I'm here. Uh, I didn't go to Dynamic Dis Open to go see my friends. Like I went out there to play the tournament and win, you know, and it's, it's a bonus that, you know, a lot of our friends are there uh, and we're all there with each other, but that that's not why I went to that tournament. Yeah, totally. Thanks for that answer. Yeah. I think it's kind of crazy that so many people took it kind of the wrong way, but in a sense, you have to have that mentality going into where this is your job. This is your living. This is your future and everything like that. I was watching the last dance with Michael Jordan and he said one of the things he was like, look, if you don't, want to play the way that I play, then don't. And he was kind of saying like, he's not there to make friends with people. He's not there to be buddy, buddy after the NBA career is over. He's there to win championships and to win games and be known as one of the greatest players of all time. So I think it's just kind of crazy. I was watching on Twitter and everything like that. Just people overreacting about you not saying you're there for the friendships or whatever. I think people mistook it, how it was said, but yeah, I think I, th I believe that, you know, when you take out the my mentality part where I'm talking literally about myself and, and my mental state of this tournament, um, you know, it kind of it kind of it worked for their clickbait and got people going and talking. So as long as it's got more eyes, I don't care.
Yeah, I was going to say, it's the media doing somewhat of a good job in that sense. Yeah. <laughs> but enough of that, kind of going on to the Paul McBeth Foundation. You announced that the first course installation is actually happening. Can you talk about the partners, the actual, what is your actual involvement in the course designing process and everything like that? Yeah, so it is coming up soon. I think two weeks we'll be headed to Mexico, La Paz, Mexico. Um, we are installing nine holes into, um, I don't know the details, but I know it's like a, it's like a, a ranch or a, a club. I, don't quote me. I, 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 I just know where I'm going and, and I'll be there to help install design and teach disc golf. Um, so yeah, that's coming up soon and I'm excited because it's the first one. We'll be able to knock it off the list and be like, we finally did this. We started and we are about to, um, keep going. We're about to, you know, work on more projects. I wish I could talk about more projects that are in the works, but, um, yeah, this is the first one. I'm so excited to get it done and go down there and, you know, get the ball rolling on this. But, uh, but yeah, we got a We got a strong team, um, with the foundation and we'll have a lot of people going down there. And, and for this first one, dynamic disc is the partner for it with the basket donation and the discs and even sending some of their employees to come down and, and help uh, nice. with the installation. Yeah. Very cool. Shout out to Dynamic for that. All right. So um, are you going to be able to get in a round? Is the course going to actually be um, put in the ground when you show up, Paul? Or is it all a process and you're going to be down there um, helping get it in the ground? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm going to be there from beginning to end. I'll be down there for about a week. Um, and there is no design, no course, no nothing. So we are literally designing it, installing it, and the baskets will be in by the time we leave. Um, but it will be more of an introductory level course. Um, and, um, yeah, I think, I think just getting something down there and, and then seeing where, seeing how we can help with the growth of disc golf down there and see, you know, maybe they'll want more courses. And we do have another nine set of baskets. I know that if it, if it does work out well, that we'll go down there and redesign and and i haven't seen the property in person i've just seen drone footage but uh it looks like a really awesome piece of property with water mountains trees all that all that fun stuff that that you want for a disc golf course so let me ask this with this big win at this nt i'm calling it a big win me talking about disc golf so often i've said this i've been saying it for a while i said jonesboro but i feel like this one i said if you win this all of your good season, uh, good finishes in the first portion of this season are exactly that good finishes. You now have a win. Does this take any pressure off of you or do you feel like this has hyped you up? What does it do to your psyche going into the rest of the season? Well, I mean, I only had one finish that was outside the top five this year. You know, all my finishes have been inside the top five and that's with, you know, me not putting well. Um, so I think that's just been the the thing that's been missing and, and not, not getting me more more wins or a win earlier in the season. So to feel like I have confidence in that and feel like it's, I mean, better than ever, to be honest, like I, I don't think I've ever felt that confident from 60 feet, you know, 45, 50, maybe, but to feel like I'm going to put it in from 60 or further every time I step up, um, it's a, it's an incredible feeling right now. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the season's been good so far. I just haven't closed out the tournaments like I, like I have previously, but, um, you know, I, I think there's been the one big factor and, uh, yeah, I mean, one outside the top five, one finish outside the top five is pretty good. I don't think there's many players that can say that. Yeah. And what a, what a time to finally get all that confidence going in because you're about to hit the West coast swing. You got a lot of tournaments going out there. And then in just a little bit over a month, 
we've got worlds coming up yeah. out in Ogden, Utah, the world championships happening, I think from the uh, 22nd through the 26th. Then I know a lot of players are going to be headed there earlier, getting rounds in. There's two different courses, the fort courses, the fort, and I think it's called Mulligan golf center or something like that. Yep. Um, have you played there previously? I played the Mulligans course. Um, that's a that's a shorter course. Um, I don't know what it's going to be like for Worlds. I've played it for the Utah Open. Um, very scorable course. And then I've never played the Fort, but I've heard they've, I've heard it wasn't good. Now it's great. So I'm looking forward to playing it as it's great because I haven't seen it before. But uh, I heard it's a good compliment to the Mulligans course and a very challenging track. Yeah. Well, obviously, Paul, we wish you all the best of luck. Thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for actually being in studio. If no one could notice, we've been flipping around cameras because Paul is about six feet in front of me, keeping that social distancing alive. But uh, no, we appreciate you coming in. Uh, Good luck to the rest of your season and we'll see you soon. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. All right, everybody. Wow. What a great interview with Paul. Totally appreciate his time, Nick. Um, So (laughs) I don't know how you feel about that. He's He's not letting up. He says he's confident as ever. His putting, um, mm-hmm. how he plans to attack everything with that quote in mind. I'm not here yeah. to make friends. Now, Nick, that was a mindset thing, right? That's what he said there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously, he said it perfectly. He has friends out on the road. He enjoys hanging out with people when he's out on the road. But ultimately, this comes down to this being his job. This is what he needs to do to make a living. And so whatever mindset he needs to get into to get to that point to where he can compete in that final round and not have that nonchalantness that he's had throughout the season. um, I find no fault with what he said. I mean, shoot, that's great. So I love that mentality. If anything, you can kind of call that the Mamba mentality. Oh yeah. And we know that he, uh, he appreciated that player as well. So um, Nick, you did something with foundation, right? Um, So with foundation, you did was it foundation follow up? Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if you know noticed, but I was in the live chat, and I was I was holding down the fort for you guys while you were going. Yeah, I did. I did a little <laughs> bit. I noticed. I had That's YouTube okay. on my phone. That's yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, so I was like, you guys were talking about like who's gonna win and all that. It was after round two, and I was like, hot mm-hmm. take from Matt, of course, hot take. And I said, um. Yeah. Someone not on the lead card is going to win. And they're like, who? And I said, Paul Macbeth. And so it is documented somewhere that I actually had a take yeah. that that should work. So <laughs> I think this is the first tournament that I said Paul wasn't going to win it. And then, of course, Paul went and won it. So uh, from this point on, I'm going to be boring and just say, look, Paul's going to win out the rest of the year. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I think I think it was great watching him putt and watching him play. I mean, obviously, he's an incredible thrower of the disc. He changed up his bag to specifically play in the wind and everything like that. And his putting was insane. So, I mean, when him and Ricky are both on, it's incredible to watch. And I'm excited. It just seemed like, you know, Calvin made some mistakes towards the end. It kind of ultimately dropped him out and they were all missing some putts. But Paul was just capitalizing. I mean, he started the final round four for four. So right then and there, you're kind of like, okay, now we're going to see something special. Man. Uh, So, again, we talked about security for players and I'm just going to speak plain as I can, not on security, but with the eliteness and the difficulty of lining up interviews, these players are going to get more and more separated from the fans in that sense. There'll be more content for the fans. I'm not saying separated in the yeah. sense of like, 
not accessible to like what they're doing and how they're performing and the content that's available. But like getting Paul Macbeth to come on our show, like I had a moment today where I was really trying to take it in and going like, this is a moment, Matt, like in the future, you look back at this event at this show, you'll say like, I had that opportunity to interview at this yeah. point, one of the greatest and could possibly become the greatest ever. Um, that's a big deal. And we're very grateful that he took time to do that for us. Yeah, no, it's definitely super nice of him with the busy schedule that he's on. I mean, shoot, he, I picked him up from the airport, him and his wife, Hannah last night from the airport at 1145. And then he left just a little bit ago to, uh, go to South Carolina for an A tier that he's playing down there. So, I mean, the man's busy. It's pretty insane. <laughs> so I felt we, bad because I, I didn't even get to hang out with him. <laughs> <laughs> now we can follow yeah. up for everybody. If they didn't know, if they, if they watch like Paul's stories on Instagram or Facebook, yeah. they would see that like, this was a pre-recorded interview. Mm -hmm. uh, but Nick, it was funny because it, it, they'd have to go look at Paul's story, but like, you're literally yeah. sitting like facing him sideways, like looking at him sideways during that <laughs> yeah, interview. Yeah, I'm looking at the side of his head while he's looking 90 degrees the other <laughs> way at a camera. And you're like, so hey, Paul, cool. but yeah, like to hang out, Paul. He was, yeah, <laughs> luckily he was uh, nice enough to be able to spend some time with us in studio. And, you know, we're we're appreciative. Of yeah. That. All right. So in one of our closing topics, I think we would be remiss to say that something significant took place for one of the touring athletes, uh, one of the best in the world, Ricky Wysocki's sister. Condolences to the Wysocki family. Uh, Ricky Wysocki's sister passed away. I don't have a timeline exactly, but somewhere in the 24 hours leading up to the DDO. Uh, he did say in an interview, uh, his press conference, that he was able to see her before she passed. Um, but man, Nick, that moment and all that went into it, I, I've heard there's fans out there that are upset that Rick was playing. Now, I'm going to say this. You can give me your opinion. Everybody copes with loss differently. Everybody. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I'm not even going to like leave out of the conversation. Animals, like everybody has their things like animals passing family, pa like you have to give grace to the person who is coping with loss to cope with the loss the way that they're choosing to. And if for Ricky, it was to compete with her in mind. Yeah. Then a hundred thousand percent. That's more than a hundred percent. I support Rick. Yeah. Um, yeah. I support him. Fans shouldn't even have that opinion. Honestly, I have strong opinions on things, no. but like you can't have that opinion. He played no. uh, inspired golf. Um, Nick, what do you think? Ricky wasn't going out there and like swearing up and down and freaking out, showing a bad mental game or anything like that. So for people to say he shouldn't be doing what he was doing, it's just wrong. He wasn't, you know, being rude about anything. He was literally dealing with his situation and the way that he felt was best. And I want to say just in all seriousness, I mean, the Nick, us from the Nick and Macho, us, Nick and Matt, we, we beyond appreciate Ricky for him coming on the show recently and just showing who Ricky is as a person. Um, mm. I mean, condolences obviously to his family and to his sisters, her husband's family and everyone mm. dealing with it. Uh, so it's an incredible thing to even think about what he was going through. And he's an incredible player. He's a great person. I wish him nothing but the best, obviously. And, you know, I, 
I thought what was really cool and was really moving was watching the post round production and seeing Jomez do this couple minute video right before the moment of silence for Ricky's sister. Mm. And that was just like, even the commentators, you know, all those guys even said, they're like, you know, how do we even talk about disc golf <laughs> after what we just went through? I mean, it, pretty surreal. Um, I, I, it's, it's tough. Cause I don't really know what to say in the sense of like, you know, Ricky's a great person. We all feel so bad for what happened, but I want to say just huge kudos to Ricky for pulling through this weekend. We wish you nothing but the best. Hopefully everything from here on out, you know, just slowly gets better at that point. Yeah. And so two brighter moments to this topic would be one that you just shared with Jomez. Um, That was incredibly cool. Um, When Brody was on our show, I don't know when it was, but when he came on that random one podcast episode, he talked about like, what's this community that like disc golfers talk about community, community, what's this community? Like, that's what I'm talking about. When I say community, I don't necessarily mean like, Oh, it's exclusive. But what I mean is like, you care about those who are in the same similar, I guess, situation, your peers and disc golf. So that was excellent. Thank you, Jomez for putting that together. It was great to see players. Uh, You, you see Paul Macbeth in there. Now this is, there's another topic here. I feel like I've been watching this relationship. It's going to sound funny between Paul and Ricky develop in a different way this year. Am I wrong? I really believe it. The respect level is so mutual. It appears this year that some of those hot quotes and things that were said in previous years, they're not like, they're not around anymore. It's like following the round when Paul won. And this happens regularly. I know it's not a normal, but Rick came over and sincerely congratulated Paul. Like I saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's awesome. And then finally, again, wrapping up the topic of Ricky. Um, how about that putt on hole 16? <laughs> the drop yeah, just, I was actually just thinking about that in my head, you know, trying to think of like happy moments from it. And that, that in and of itself was pretty incredible. It was funny because before that, Anthony Barella, I think had the shot of the tournament where he threw in, you know, a Ricky Wysocki pig for Eagle on one of these holes. And I just thought it was cool. Cause it was a Ricky pig Yeah, and AB a- and Ricky are good friends. And so I was like, man, that, that was kind of cool. But then when Ricky hit that putt on 16, I was like, now that, that was the shot of the tournament right there. And the fans just being there to be able to, you know, high fives and everything like that. And you could just see Ricky, the Raptor legs came out and everything <laughs> like that. It was an incredible moment to finish off an incredible week. And yeah. when I say incredible, I mean it in every sense of the word, it was incredible the event and then incredible the events that happened throughout the event so i agree like i don't i don't i'm not gonna go down this topic i was gonna do i gotta leave it with rick but the groups of people and he's running through just high-fiving and like smiles there's great picture like it's obviously does nothing to soothe the loss of somebody but in the moment he was able to have that joy of like experiencing that And, and like he talked about even, he says, like, I think my sister helped will it in there. Like, he was able to tie that. And so that's great for him. Um, I I am looking forward to, if, if DDO is anything, Nick, to say about how Worlds will go, and when everybody's trying at the top of their game, we had two, yeah. we had four of the top rated players on a lead card, which sounds like it makes sense, but we don't see that all the time. Yeah, it's it's happened a couple times this year. I'm, I'm excited. I think DDO really brought out, even though the courses were a little different, especially when it comes to it not being as windy as they probably originally were thinking. Um, it brought out competition. I mean, what three players tie for the lead going into the final round. That's awesome. 
<laughs> and then two of the best FPO players with like two strokes separating them or three strokes separating them going into the final round. So DDO brought us competition. It, it brought us incredible disc golf to watch. There were incredible storylines that went with this weekend. And uh, it's, it's crazy that it's over. I'm, I always said, like, I'll never go out and play there. And then I've come to find out Worlds is there next year. So I'm like, uh, probably going to have to go out there now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nick. I think we've got to this point in the show. Man, we had a packed interview show tonight. We see, uh, yeah. you know, our fans, the, those. By the way, what keeps me doing this show is the people who come up and say, hey, really, really like what you're doing on that show. And for yeah. every person that does that, and I'm not like asking for this, I'm just telling you it's encouraging because <laughs> we've been doing this for yeah. over a year now. And yep. honestly, we're not making livings off of this. <laughs> we do this for the love of the sport. Yeah. We do this for the love. But for every person that comes up and like says, like, I really like what you're doing with the show. It's worth a hundred. Like it's worth a hundred times what that one negative comment is, you know, on our show. So yeah. like, thank you. Oh God. Yeah so much to those individuals our regulars i even want to give a shout out to kent chapman he has been with us since yeah. show number one never missed yeah. a live episode he thought he was going to miss tonight nick and then i saw him in the chat saying his meeting got canceled so he's still here the streak is strong yeah hey, that's Heck another yeah. alliteration Love it. the streak is strong yep. there we go um yeah. so is anyways that, the word that it was it, it was alliteration i wasn't i wasn't okay. wrong originally so that's yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyways, Absolutely. I just want to say thank you to everybody. We've made it this far. We're going to keep going. There are people who want us to do. There are people. Every You can't please everybody. I've learned that in the safety industry that I'm in. <laughs> people are going to be mad. Yeah. Like, we would like to do more Nick and Matt talking about stuff. We'd like to do more segments. It's it's all a developing thing. Just stick with us. Eventually, things will unfold as they do, and we'll have a lot more content for you. So, Exactly. Cool. Well, Matt, are we reaching that point? Yeah. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, please comment like subscribe check us out on the foundation podcast network on youtube please go hit that subscribe button it does absolutely nothing against you it just tells you when we're going to go live and all that stuff so it's incredible for us um if you also please to go support us at the nick and matt show you can check out on foundationdisc.com we have hats and shirts available you know they're pretty stylish i think it's very comfortable i wear it almost every single day and uh yeah tell someone you love them this week We'll catch you in the next one. Nick, you're awesome, man. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or stream us live exclusively on the Foundation Podcast YouTube channel.